and a real sense of a uh, real sense of expectancy for Wednesday. We gather with other other believers, other churches, and uh, and just wait upon the Lord together. Um, uh, would really love to do that. Judith, will you get me a tissue, please? Or this is going to be really frustrating for people who hate sniffing and noises throughout somebody talking. Uh, this morning, as I as I've been as I've been getting ready this week, um, I still feel like I'm uh, still feel like I've been just stewing on on the word that Stuart brought last week, and so you'll need to forgive me because I feel like I'm re- regurgitating half of what he said. <laughs> what Stuart said last week was as he brought us to Jeremiah 18, and, and we looked at the at the the potter and the clay being the potter's, what it's like to be in the potter's wheel. And, and uh, I just want to uh, honour Stuart, acknowledge that, that, that October 2017 was the last time he spoke. And, uh, and last Sunday, was just, um, it just came from a, a place of real authenticity, didn't it? it uh, and even his honesty towards the end has, has opened, I think, just opened up the room a bit. And uh, it's really grateful for that. How Stuart started out is that he's a hands-on God. And he won't let you sink. He's not one that'll throw you into the deep end and 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 let you sink or swim. He's not going to let you sink. And as we as we are continuing in the series of going into the deep, of putting out a little further, of um going a little deeper, the confidence that we have even from last week, and I hope that you've gathered it uh, throughout the last number of weeks, is that he's not going to let you sink. As you push out a little deeper, he is not going to let you sink but not only are we going or we wanting to go a little deeper what Stuart brought out last week was that there's also a deep work that he is wanting to do in us the challenge as we go a little deeper is will we allow him to do a deep work within us and I've continued to reflect on the on the on that image I think I, I think it was really helpful to show that the video was really helpful actually um because my because my imagination can often be so poor uh, I need to see it. I need to see something visually before I can even try to imagine it or guess what's going on. And so, the potter, we've seen the potter working deep into the clay, and it was the working, it was the working deep into the clay which was transforming the outside. It was that that which was forming or transforming the outside. Is the deep was whenever the potter went did this deep work into the clay. And and that's what he's wanting to do. That's what the challenge is for us. We're 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 wanting to go a little deeper, wanting to push out a little deeper, out into the deep. But also we're saying we're coming to this place of surrender. We're 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 trying to we're trying to do that together. Let's go. This is going to be really challenging. This is going to be really difficult. But let's go to that place where we just allow him to do a deep work in us, because it's that which is going to bring transformation. It's that that's going to form the outside. And t- so often. And I think I've maybe shared it before, but so often my my Christian experience, my my uh, my understanding of of relationship with with God, I I was so focused on external behaviors. I was so focused on external behaviors, and so whenever we went, to, whenever I went to the Word, whenever I went to pray, whenever I think even of my conversations, it was all about how can I behave better, how can we work on these external behaviors. Is there another rule that I need to, to implement here? Is there, is there uh, an application that I have missed? 
And so, so much of, so much of my, my relationship with Jesus, it felt a bit like that. It felt like, it felt like, God, these, these external behaviors are still showing up. These things that I keep on doing, I'm still doing them. Even though I've read a Bible verse, and even though I've had counsel to tell me to not do it, it's like I'm, I'm so focused on the external behaviors. I'm so focused on the outside. I'm so focused on, on what is there, what, what outside things, what rules or application, what, what, is there more doing that I, can, that I can do? Is there more things that I can do? But realizing that that is, that is maybe I shouldn't say that's never going to transform, but that's going to be a long time. It's going to take a long time to see transformation. I think it's a lot, going to be a long time to see, to see formation. I think it's going to be a long time before we see wholeness. And that's what we're after when we're going deeper. That's what we're after when we're allowing him to do a deep work in us. It's there that, it's there that we see transformation. It's there that we see formation. It's there that we're going to come into a place of wholeness, I believe. And I think I've used this, I think I've been using this verse so often over the last number of weeks, Psalm 139. And it's that, it's those closing, it's those, the, the closing words of the psalmist. And, uh, and I know that we are familiar with Psalm 139 because right in the middle of it is where we have these powerful words that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's no one like you. We sang it about, we sang it about him this morning, but it, we can say the same about each other. He has, he has uniquely and wonderfully made you. But as the, as the psalm goes on in the last two verses are, search me, O God. Search me and test me and know me. And the psalmist goes even further. He's, he, is, he is at this place where he is going to allow God by his Holy Spirit to do a deep work within him. And he just exposes himself. He says, God, search me and see if there is any offensive way in me. See if there is anything in me that is distracting. See if there is anything deep within me that needs resolved. Anything that, within me that is, that is, that is causing me to, to miss the thing that you're wanting for me, to miss the place that you're calling me to. See, see where it is because I'm saying, search me. I'm allowing you. I'm saying, come and... And do this deep work within me. I'm longing to see, I'm longing to see the, the external behaviors transformed. I'm longing to see something different take place. And so search me. See if there's anything in me. And then lead me in the way everlasting. And you know, I think I've been struck by it again this week because we could also translate that verse. That verse could also be translated to lead me to wholeness. Lead me to wholeness. And this word in the Hebrew, the salvation word, lead, lead me in the way everlasting or lead me to salvation. We can also say that they say, search me, O God, test me, see if there is anything in me and lead me to home. And pardon me, as, as we've, two weeks ago, and just before Stuart had done last Sunday, the Sunday before, uh, I was really encouraging this idea of, we're really been encouraging this idea of solitude. We've, we've went right back to, to look at chapter five, where we started this series, and and seen where where Peter had become so frustrated, he'd become really really annoyed that he couldn't pick up get any fish, and then Jesus comes, this the teacher or the carpenter comes. He's not a fisherman, but he says, "Right, Peter, it's time to put it out a little deeper." And for me, I, I'm convinced, and I know I, I'm taking license here because we're not told in the Bible, but but I'm convinced that as he went out a little deeper. 
away from all the noise, away from all the, the, the crowds. I'm not sure there was any bright lights, but let's say there was, away from all the bright lights. And um, and I think they sat and they waited. I think there was this moment of, these moments of solitude as they, as they waited. And I think that's what going out into the deep does. It's, it's first of all, it's first of all getting to a place of solitude. And ultimately they went, they got the fish. And ultimately they gathered other people around them to, to take in all that was, all that there was. But I think first of all, putting out a little deep, first of all is, is, is being still, is being quiet, is finding yourself in a place of solitude. And we've talked, we've talked about that a couple of times. And we've said, we've said as well, haven't we, that the solitude is not a tap that you can turn on and off. It's absolutely not. The solitude is, is, is getting, a place, getting to that place where your heart and mind is attentive to the present moment. It can't be turned on and off. It's not a switch that can be turned on and off. This is something we're going to have to, I think, work hard at. But just because we've, we've been around the table, we've, uh, we've gathered around that this morning, and uh, and we've and I imagine for many of us we've confessed. There's been a there's been a we've looked inward, we've reflected and we've repented and we've confessed. And one of the things that I've noticed, I'm still I'm still I'm still finding the solitude, the waiting, the quiet, I'm still finding it really difficult because it still feels so it still feels so countercultural. It still feels like it's 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 going against what is natural to me. But those moments where those moments where I feel like I, I have stilled myself enough that I've got to that place where I feel like my heart and my mind is attentive to what is going on in here. It's attentive to what is going on. And I think and I'm convinced, as I've reflected over on this this week, that confession and silence go hand in hand. That when you, when you get to that place of silence, when you get to that place where I am convinced the psalmist was, where it was like, search me, O God. And I think this, the psalmist, as he prayed that, he waited. I think there was a moment of searching and testing and knowing that he was waiting. I think there was moments of silence. There was moments of solitude. And I think from that place, he began to see those, those offensive ways, those ways that were distracting him, those ways that he just needed to confess. Can't help. You can't help but, but begin to confess when you find yourself in a place of silence, in a place of solitude. I think the two go hand in hand. I think it's it's really difficult to have to have one without the other. True silence and, and uh, true solitude, or true and true conf- confession. Again, as I've as I've tried my best to be to be really aware of what's going on in me, there is definitely something happens in the act of confession. There there has been times, and I think it's the times where where sometimes there's things that are not, that are almost quite easy to confess. There's things that, God, I'm really sorry that I shouted at the boys. Uh, I'm really sorry that, that I didn't help clean up the dishes after dinner, which I always do, so that, that's completely hypothetical. That is not a true thing at all. But something like that, but it's t- there's times whenever it is, I'm reluctant to say dark, but it's like there's, whenever there's something that, that I, that from that place of so- solitude, from that place of silence, Something is, I acknowledge something, I'm aware of something, and I'm almost afraid to say it out loud. And I, and I get my head around it by saying, God already knows. 
God already knows. God, you've seen it. It's been exposed. You've, you've searched me. Uh, and there it is. Let's, let's move on. But there's, there's something that happens in the act of confession to me. I know that God knows. But there's a theologian, Soren Kierkegaard. He says that there's, it's not God, but you, the maker of the confession, get to know something by your act of confession. It's not God, but you, the maker of the confession, that gets to know something by your act of confession. And so what it is that I think that you get to know, what I get to know, is I learn a little more. I learn a little bit more about my own heart. I learn a little bit more about what it is that's going on deep within. There's times where I, I know and I see what's going on, the, the external behaviours. There's some external behaviours that frustrate me. There's some external behaviours that I, like, I just wish I could, I would stop doing that or stop thinking that or stop behaving like that. But in that place of solitude, in that place of confession, it's, it's, it's there that I, that I realise a little bit more about my own heart. It's in, it's in the act of confession that I get to know a little bit more about myself and know something by my act of confession. So I think you're going to find that. I think for those of us that, are, that, that get to that place of, God, I'm going to allow you to do a deep work within me. I'm going to fully embrace your searching and your testing and your knowing. And I can assure you when you get to that place, when you get to that place of, of, of surrender, when you get to that place of saying, oh, God, just do this, it's really difficult. I can, I can assure you that. There's times where it's really difficult. True solitude. And maybe that's why I still struggle with it because you almost want to avoid it. You almost want to avoid it because, it, because it's going to bring up things that reveal a little bit more about your own heart. It's going to reveal a little bit more about the things that you need to confess. And, and some of the stuff actually that I've realized is that not all confession is bad. Like there's things that I, that I want to confess that I want to get the, out of the darkness and into the light. But actually there's some things, there's some things that I want to confess that you, that you recognize in the place of solitude. There's some things that you recognize and, and, and acknowledge about yourself in the place of solitude that you, want to, that you want to bring out of the light and into the brilliance because there's something that you want to say. There's something that you want to declare of, of who you are and who he's called you to be and a revelation of what he wants to do in you and through you. And there's something wonderful about confessing that. So, so don't hear doom and gloom this morning. There's something about the, the place of solitude and, and silence that can be difficult, that can be challenging, that you're, you're finding a little bit more about what's going on deep within. And, and what I'm saying and what we're saying throughout this series is just allow that to happen. Something about, there's something about confessing that and exposing that that, is, that initially is maybe quite challenging, but it's really healthy. It's really helpful. But there's also some good stuff to confess from that place. In that place of quietness where the still small voice of the Holy Spirit reminds me who I am. Reminds me, reminds me something, a glimpse of destiny. Reminds me something of what we're called to. And we and, and sang it. What were the words of that song, Lord? In, even in, when I'm suffering. Help me out, Jenna. Whenever I'm suffering, I, I still, there's something about your cross and resurrection that I'm going to look forward to. Because there's more than, than what's going on here and now. And so we, we want to be, there's moments where I think we're reminded of that. We're reminded of that in the, in the solitude, in the quiet, in the place of confession. And just another couple of things that I, that I, that I want to share. And, uh, and then the guys are going to do one more song. Again, I feel like 
I feel like I'm cheating a wee bit. I feel like I'm I've just I've taken some of Sturdy's and I've taken some of what Dad said on Thursday night and and mingling that together. So forgive me if um, if that's what you're if that's what you're thinking. Maybe nobody would have thought it at all. Only I said it. Uh, Thursday night, Dad went to took us to Luke chapter ten. Uh, as we gathered to worship and, and pray together in the living room. And, they, and he took us to, to Luke chapter 10, and we glanced down the whole of the chapter. And the takeaway, the three takeaways that Dad shared with us that, that night, as he, uh, so maybe it would be helpful just to, we don't need to read it all, but just to acknowledge that um, the first part of Luke chapter 10 is where Jesus sends out the 72. He sends them out two by two, saying the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, and, and now go, I'm sending you out. I'm sending you out. And, uh, and they return with joy. They return with such excitement because actually they began to see. They began to see what it was like to, to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit and to see, uh, to see incredible things happen. And, um, and then the next part is the Good Samaritan. We have this, uh, this beautiful story. Of um, of the people that you would have expected to help the the guy who had been who had been beaten, but it turns out that it's it's the Samaritan who goes and and uh, and brings care and help at his own expense to someone who would have been considered an other, almost like an enemy. And Jesus responds to the person who he was telling the story. Now you go and do likewise. And then the closing few verses of Luke chapter 10 is the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha is distracted by many things, um, but Mary is the one who's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus actually says, Mary has chosen what is better. And so, um, and so the three takeaways that, that, uh, that we were left with on Thursday night was, as Dad summarized those three things, was go and tell from the first part. Go and tell. And then go and do. And then the third part was come and listen. And, um, and so as dad, as dad shared that, he, he suggested that we, we need to do it the other way around. Before we go and do, before we go and tell, that we would come and listen. And part of me, part of me thought that's, in many ways, that's what, we're, that's what we're asking in these Sunday mornings. That's what, that's what we're challenging you to. That's what we're inviting you all, inviting us all to, to, to go after together. That we would be ones that would be known rather than being distracted and busy with many things, that we would be known for sitting at the feet of Jesus. That we, we would be ones known before we, before we go and do, before we go and tell, that we would be ones that would come and, and listen. That we would be ones that would come and sit at his feet before the busyness and before the distractions. That that's the place we would find ourselves first of all. We find ourselves sitting at his feet, doing the, the do, doing the listening before the telling and the doing. And this is still a huge challenge for me because it still feels like it's counter cultural. It feels like it's counter to the church, even the church culture that, that we've grown up in, that I've grown up in. That to do the listening before the telling and the doing almost seems like that's not the way we've always done it, but as, as we begin to engage with some of the other things that, that Jesus said, as we begin to see some of these other things that are going on throughout Scripture, I think there's real weight to what, to what we are suggesting. A couple of weeks ago was 
I was saying to you that this is one thing that unites us all, this, this, the, the reality of the struggle in prayer. The struggle for it is, the struggle it is for us to wait, the struggle it is for us to get to that place of solitude and silence. We talked about busyness, we talked about boredom, we talked about those wrong feelings and that wrong thinking that cause us to struggle in prayer. We continue to, th- to, to think about that and continue to reflect on that. And, and once again on Thursday night as we, as we stepped into the, once again into the story of Mary and Martha, the, the, the truth is for Martha and for all of us that busyness destroys passion. Busyness destroys passion. And it's tiredness and it's disappointment that prevent us hearing from God. Busyness destroys passion and tiredness and disappointment prevent us hearing from God. And if it's okay just to touch on, again, for those that were there on Thursday night, forgive me, but I felt that I, I felt the, the weight of John chapter 11 so, I felt the weight of it so tangible as we, as we worshiped together on, on Thursday night. And in John chapter 11, again, it's Mary and Martha. And it's Lazarus, Lazarus has died. And uh, he's been in the grave for three or four days and Jesus makes his way back. Uh, Jesus makes his way back to the town where, where, where Mary and Martha and Lazarus lived and um, Martha comes running to Jesus. Still, I think, distracted, still busy. Jesus, if you'd been here, if you'd have been here, this is not how the story would have ended. But it was John chapter 11, I think it's verse 28 or 29. And I felt just the Lord was, was saying to me and was maybe saying to more of us on Thursday night and possibly again this morning. It was these words that, 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 that Martha came back. Jesus wanted to see Mary. And Martha came running back and she, she made her way through the crowd of mourners and called Mary out of the place of mourning. For me, that just felt really significant. Martha came and because Jesus wanted to speak, because she needed to hear from God, Martha came and pulled her out we're told that Mary came out from among the mourners. She came away from that place of disappointment. She came up away from that place of tiredness. Came away from that place of pain. And the, and the, words, the words used were, the teacher is here and he wants to see you. And I just find that so beautiful. I find it so beautiful because I, th- I feel like the same sentiment is still, is still alive as much as it was then. Right now, this morning, the teacher is here, church. The rabbi is here. Jesus is here and he wants to see you. He, he, he is desperate to pull you out from that place of mourning. He's desperate to get you out from around, being surrounded by the mourners, being surrounded by disappointment, being surrounded by tiredness and pain. And he's, he's here and he wants to see you. And the thing was, I almost, found it, I almost found it quite conflicting because Jesus stayed outside the village. He didn't come with Martha back to Mary. He stayed outside the village. And Stuart said this line last week that as I read that story again on Thursday night, what Stuart said seemed to really make sense. Stuart said that how close we get to his heart is usually up to you. How close you get to his heart is usually up to you. And I know that there's moments where he will, he will just invade and, and come near even when you least expect it. I know that there's those moments. But I think Jesus stood outside the village because he wanted, he wanted Mary to get, get right out of the way. He wanted to get out away, right out from the noise, right out from the distraction, come to a place where it was silent, where there was a moment of solitude because she needed to hear from him and he wanted to speak to her. The teacher is here and he wants to see you. 
He wants to pull you out from the place of tiredness and disappointment because the place of tiredness and disappointment prevent us from hearing from God. And how close we get to his heart, it's usually up to you. Are you going to come out from the place of disappointment? Are you going to come out from the place of mourning and pain and anxiety? It truly is up more often than not up to you. Let me finish with this last story. I know that most of you will be familiar with it. But for Samuel chapter 3, again, as, we go, as I think back to the first point that Sturdy made last week, the first point, as he talked about the potter and the clay, was are you positioning, how, you, how are you positioning yourself? The first point was, will you position yourself before the Lord? Will you position yourself rightly? Will you position yourself correctly before the Lord? And so let me read these 10 verses in 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare and there were not many visions. I, like every time I, like every time I read that, there's something within me just grieves because, because Eli here, I think, is a, he's, a, he's, like, he's like a metaphor. He's figurative for, for the church, for the church who no longer are seeing dreams, who are no longer seeing visions. And I just don't want to be part of that, especially when we read Acts chapter 2, the the visions and dreams and fullness of the Holy Spirit is available to us now. I don't want to be part, we cannot be part of a a church where the word, his word, his visions, the dreams are rare. Anyway, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call, go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. And again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you, go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. And the Lord came and stood there, calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. So again, as if been reflecting on, on what Sturdy led us in last Sunday uh, and thinking of the story of the little boy Samuel. I was challenged by verse 9 when I consider my position before the Lord. I consider that, I, I, that I'm desperate, that, that dreams and visions and, 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 and his word, his voice is not rare in, 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 in my experience and in the experience of, of the church. And as I looked at the position that Samuel took before the Lord as he waited for his voice. Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And I'm aware that many people in this room are busy. You're distracted by many things. But I feel increasingly as we've, as we just feel like, sure, he opened something up about how are we positioning ourselves before God. And I felt like the invitation for us, for those of us that, that need a word, that need to hear from God, that that's what he would, maybe be saying to some of us, go and lay down. 
And, and maybe it's just another way of saying, find yourself in that place of silence. Find yourself in that place of solitude. But here, here it is in the story, the life of Samuel. Eli discerned, thank goodness, that it, uh, three, times, three times it took, but finally Eli discerned. He discerned that it was the voice of the Lord. And he told him, Samuel, go. He wants to speak. He wants to speak. He wants to communicate his heart. He wants to communicate something to you. Now go and lie down. For some of us, I love it that it was all of us. For some of us, you really, really need to do that. I think all of us would need to do it, but I think some of us, we really, really need to go and lie down. He wants to speak. And the tiredness and busyness and disappointment, disappointment prevent us from hearing. And as we think about how we're positioning ourselves before him, Samuel positioned himself to listen. He positioned himself to listen. It was by going and lying down. In verse 10, the Lord came and stood there. The Lord came and stood there. And there's two questions. As I was going to bed last night that I felt like he was asking. I felt like there's two questions that he was asking. Neil, do you expect? As you consider this, as you talk about this, and tomorrow, as you talk about this tomorrow morning, I feel like he asked me these two things. What are, do you expect to hear from me? Do you expect to hear from me? And then he asked another, felt like he asked me another question. When was the last time you heard? When was the last time you heard from me? When was the last time you positioned yourself to hear? When was the last time you went and lay down, positioned yourself before me to hear? What did I say? What did you do about it? <laughs> do you expect to hear from me? When was the last time you heard? The Lord came and stood. His purpose, Acts 17 says, his purpose was, his purpose for all of us was that, that, he would, uh, that he would come near. His purpose was that we would perhaps feel our way, that's what it says, that we would perhaps feel our way toward and find him. We would perhaps feel our way toward him and find him. And then it says, though he is not far from us. Though he is not far from any one of us, actually it says that. Though he is not far from any one of us. And that was the story of Samuel. As he positioned himself to listen, the Lord came and stood there. And it was the testimony of, it was the testimony of Mary. Even in the midst of her tiredness and her disappointment, as she came off to the side, she realized that Jesus was aware, that he was hands-on, that he was involved, that he knew all that was going on. He wasn't far. And that's been, actually, that's been the story right, right from the beginning. Exodus chapter 3, note them verses. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. I, I love these verses. Sometimes we get caught up in the Exodus story, but actually hear, hearing God speak to Moses and saying, Moses, I have seen, and now have brought us already, haven't you? My eye, is, my eye has seen you. I have seen, I have heard, I am aware, I have felt, and I have come down. Wow. Well, that's, been his, that's been the heart and the nature of the Father right from the beginning. And we see, it, we see it over and over and over again. And that was Mary's experience. And, I, and, it's, and it's the experience he's longing for each one of us. That we, would sur- that we would find our way towards him. And maybe sometimes it feels a bit of a hide and seek. It maybe feels like he is too good at hide and seek. But I assure you, he is, his purpose was that we, we would seek after him and we would feel our way toward him and find him and then realize that he is not far from any one of us. And so, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that that would be the experience of all of us. Wherever, we, wherever we're at this morning, the level of tiredness, the level of disappointment, the level of pain, the level of busyness, that the invitation, 
Maybe it sounds like we're saying the same thing over again, but the invitation is that we would come aside. The invitation is that we would go and lie down. And Father, would you forgive me? Would you forgive me for the, for the things that I've put in the way that prevent me from hearing from you? Even those things we touched on at the beginning, those things where, where, where it's difficult to confess some things, those places, God, where we get caught up in the, the busyness and the distraction. Those things where we become really disappointed because we feel like we haven't heard in so long, we haven't sensed or we haven't experienced in so long. I pray that there would be a feeling in the room this morning that we've carried the disappointment for too long. We've carried the pain for too long and we would acknowledge that the words of Jesus are still as true for us right now, that the teacher is here and he wants to see you. That Jesus is here and he wants to see me. And even though I've carried some of this stuff, the teacher is still here and he still wants to see me. And so far, I just pray that you would continue to, to take us deeper. Holy Spirit, would you continue to do a deep work within us? We, we just acknowledge you and, and worship you. And, and we want to be ones that would just testify to the, to the voice of God ministering to us in the places where we're at. In Jesus' name, amen.